Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com. D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M.com. WBUR Podcasts. Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. Boston Globe workforce and income inequality reporter Katie Johnston, welcome to The Common. Hello, happy to be here. Yes, yes, so good to have you. So Katie, you have a story about some research from the Boston Women's Workforce Council that found the gender wage gap narrowed in Boston while the racial wage gap increased. Tell us how the council came to these findings. The council um, started collecting payroll data from local employers back in 2016, specifically to look at the gender wage gap. Uh, And then they quickly also started looking at the racial wage gap. And they wanted to come up with ways to close the gap. And so they got employers to sign on and be members and agree to share their actual payroll data and um, and then compute the numbers. And it's the only wage gap survey that uses actual payroll data instead of census data. So this is not just people's recollections of what they make, but actual data from their employers. All right. So let's dig into this gender wage gap, which decreased by nine cents. So women went from making 70 cents to 79 cents for every dollar a man makes. What's behind this narrowing? Well, the council attributes it to a couple of factors. One is that uh, women were promoted into higher-level positions at a greater number. There were more senior managers and executives than in the past, and they make more money, obviously. And then overall, women's salaries went up by 6% over the two-year period, uh, while men's salaries actually declined slightly in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, They also think the pandemic might have played into it. There was federal funding that that allowed women to continue working or to take new jobs. Um, There were also shortages in healthcare. Uh, Healthcare is very female-centric, the workforce. And so um, that allowed them to demand stronger wage increases in that sector. That could have played into it. Uh, The ability to work remotely is also seen uh, as a possible thing that it's benefiting women. Understood. Now, what did the council have to say about these findings? Did you talk to anyone? I did, yes. Uh, Kim Borman, who is the executive director, she was thrilled with the gender wage gap piece of it, at least. It was the first time that the gender wage gap had dropped uh, in the time that they've been collecting data since 2016. Uh, She told me she was uh, so surprised that she (laughs) checked her math and did it like four different times and had someone check it. So yeah, I don't think they anticipated a drop, at least not a drop this big. All right. So Katie, that's the gender wage gap. There's positive news there, but that's not the entire story uh, from the research because you report the Women's Workforce Council found that the racial wage gap actually grew by three cents. And that means employees of color now make 73 cents for every dollar a white worker makes here in Boston. What's going on there? Well, again, uh, it could be the pandemic here, uh, and the pandemic 
was not so kind to communities of color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they continue to feel the impact of COVID. There's increased health problems, increased caregiving needs that that hurt people's ability to work. And this has likely compounded the divide that's already there with, because more people of color tend to work in lower-paid jobs and a lower share of them get promoted into management. And so that's that could have played into the, this uh, gap widening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did the report address how racism factors into all of this? It didn't, but um, clearly it's always there and, right, right. and, you know, obviously plays into it. That brings me to my next question, because um, in recent years, a lot of companies have invested in diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, which are meant to make a more welcoming workplace for people of different backgrounds, right? Um, Everybody, you know? And you report in your piece that um, white and Asian women benefit from these programs more than others, um, that being a finding from the council's report. Um, Can you talk about that? Well, I don't have any data on on why that's true. I mean, I think the numbers of that are, are fascinating, though. The report showed that um, that white and Asian women in the Boston area earned just over $100,000 a year on average, just at these 103 companies that they analyzed, right? That is, that is high, but that's the companies they analyzed. While uh, women of other races are earned between $58,000 and $79,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge difference. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Katie Johnston of the Boston Globe. Did this report strike you in any way? Does this stand apart from other research that you've reported on? 
Well, it was a rare piece of good news when it comes to the gender wage gap, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I've reported on this data before, the, the Boston Women Workforce Council data, and it's never gone down, as we said. And it, the gender wage gap overall in the United States is, in the years I've been writing about it, it's always kind of holds steady. Obviously, it's a much smaller sample size, but just the fact that there was some actual good news was nice for a change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, well— it's good news, but a gap still exists. Exactly. Right? We went from, what, 30 cents to 21 cents. <laughs> Did the Boston Women's Workforce Council touch on any solutions to these gaps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talked about that employers can really do a lot to address this. It's not easy. Uh, Kim Borman told me it's it's hard, intensive work, and you really have to—the word everyone uses in it is intentional. Like, you have to have programs. You have to put them in place. You know, you need to analyze salaries uh, and adjust them if need be. Some of these places, they hired consultants, and, and they would give people as much as, a, like, a 20% raise. So they would find they were that far out of whack, right? Managers need to be trained how to better support employees, how to better recognize who who can be promoted or who might need extra help. Everything from where jobs get posted, if, if, if there's a job board for, for new mothers or a job board for engineers of color, you know, like, you need to target, not just throw it up on Indeed, right? Also, you know, who gets interviewed? Make sure you have a diverse slate of candidates. Everything really needs to be analyzed and thought of through this lens in order to move the needle. Mm-hmm. Are there any companies out there who are having success? Yeah, there are. Uh, I talked to this um, Longwood Collective, which is, um, they're in the Longwood Medical area. They provide, like, transportation and planning for that area. And they do a lot of this stuff that I was just talking about. You know, they track the diversity. They brought in the compensation consultants. They change their uh, compensation structure so that uh, when they meet corporate goals, every employee gets a bonus, not just the the higher-ups, you Mm -hmm. know, so that's helping people with the lower wages. Um, and, you know, and it's hard. You know, I think these things cost money. Uh, it's a tight labor market, and sometimes you just want to get someone in the job, right? But um, but it does pay off. Are there any industries or companies handling the wage gap issue better or worse than others? Well, it's interesting. Um, the nonprofit sector has the smallest gender wage gap in Boston, only six cents. Mm. But at the same time, it has the largest racial wage gap, which is 44 cents. Diversity consultants talk about nonprofits having this very interesting conundrum because a lot of the leaders of nonprofit uh, that tend to be white and a lot of the lower paid employees who are serving uh, clients are more often people of color. Mm. And on top of that, um, there's also an assumption, some people have told me, that because nonprofits often support disadvantaged communities, they assume that they're naturally inclusive uh, I'm doing air quotes when I say naturally inclusive. <laughs> yeah. um, and therefore, they're not really examining their practices as closely as they should be because they think we're nonprofits. Yeah. We're fine. We support everybody, right? Yeah. When in reality, there is, there is a yawning gap there. Okay. And um, I know that this is a major issue. I'm just curious to know if there's any type of policy or legislation discussions happening around this to kind of make some progress on on the the situation. There have been a number of bills passed in Massachusetts looking at pay equity. Mm. There was a salary history ban passed a couple years ago where employers are not allowed to ask job candidates what their previous salaries were because 
as not surprisingly, you know, women would name their salary and it'd be lower than men's. And so they just, you know, okay, we'll pay you $5,000 more or whatever, and just perpetuating that wage gap, right? Um, there's also another piece of legislation on tr pay transparency, just allowing people to talk about their salaries openly, which is crazy that that would ever be outlawed, but that was the case. Hmm. So there's definitely a lot of attention being paid and things done that you can, but a lot of it, you know, a lot of the responsibility is on employers to to really re-examine their practices as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this kind of brings me to my last question. What can people do in their own workplace to help address pay inequity? I know you mentioned pay transparency. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can advocate for yourself. You can, you know, try and get that promotion. But again, you know, sometimes they talk about, like, well, it shouldn't be on the person themselves to to, to fix this problem, right? right. But you can, and, and you can advocate for other people, and you can try and make sure people are treated equitably. And if you're in a management position, you can look around and, and give people the, the support that they need, right, mm -hmm. to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And hell, one thing that's helped me, like you said, pay transparency. Talk about your salary. Share it with folks, you know. Somebody asks you, don't hide it, you know. Exactly. If you know that your colleague who does the exact same job with the same experience is making more money, that's power, right? You go to your boss and you say, hey, so-and-so is making this money. I should be too. And, you know, yeah, knowledge is power. Right on. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming through and talking with us. We really appreciate it. You bet. My pleasure. That's Boston Globe reporter Katie Johnston. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.